I'm Sarah Davenport. I have served, my husband and I have served in South Asia for 20 years, and um, mostly in Pakistan and then also in India, um, doing nursing kinds of rural community health. Um, my pediatrics is my background, so I've been doing a lot with, with children, but also when you do children's health, you also have to kind of move into women's health too, and so I've learned it on the fly. So, um, but being a woman, you know, we all kind of know some of the things that go on, right? <laughs> so, anyway, today, welcome. And my little thing. There we go. Um, women's healthcare issues are one of those taboo subjects in general discussions and all that in a lot of South Asian communities, and so when we start talking about it, the women are very uncomfortable at first, but when we start talking about common things that we go through, then they open up greatly. Um, This health education, because they don't really always know um, what's going on with them, is is a way that we can really get to heart matters very quickly. Um, And the health education through stories, which... um, that's really the number one value that I have for health education is teaching through stories and um, doing pro- problem-posing stories with them giving the solutions um, is one that helps better retention. I mean, you know, if you think about it, what are you going to walk away with this unless you look at your notes? You're going to remember the stories that the speakers told, and you're going to remember the, the anecdotes and all of that, but... If we look at the paper, we might remember the points that they made. So, um, so in an illiterate society, basically telling stories is how we're going to get the retention. They change the physical, the health education stories, change the, um, the physical health, but the stories of the gospel are what change lives for eternity. And that's where our whole purpose, if we only meet physical needs, what are we going to do? We're going to make them healthier to go to hell, right? But if we give them the gospel, we're going to change their lives for eternity. Um, henna in South Asia and in some places across the Arabian Peninsula, North Africa, is something that's widely used, customary and tradition, but most of the times it's for weddings. And um, so, but some of our colleagues came up with an idea to make henna designs using Bible stories, and it's really been, it's a non-threatening way to tell a Bible story, and I even get to do it here in the States, because I have a group that we do henna storying, and people will say, oh, that's a great henna tattoo, and I'm like, do you know, this is a Bible story, can I tell it to you? And people are, oh, that's so awesome! So, it's really, it's, it's a great way to tell a story from the Word of God that's non-threatening. My objectives are to discuss women's health issues, identify the lessons that we commonly used to um, combat some of these health issues, discuss an example of a feminine hygiene project that I did, and then move into the Bible stories and explain that as an evangelistic tool. Each one of you should have gotten a, a booklet that really kind of talks about how you can become a little bit more involved in that and how you can do some outreach among there. 
Oh, now I have three token males. Woohoo! <laughs> now four. Yay. Okay. So, tell me, what are some common women's health issues? And you guys can, can go ahead and say PMS. I mean, you know, that's okay. So, what are some issues? Menopause, definitely. Pregnancy. Pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, that's a big health issue. <laughs> what else? Abuse. Abuse, yeah. STDs. STDs, definitely. Fistulas. Sorry? Fistulas. Fistulas, yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else? Undernutrition, what? Stunted growth. Stunted growth, yeah. Okay, so um, basically these um, are the poor feminine hygiene is the number one um, problem that we would find in some of the underdeveloped, impoverished communities that we found. Um, a lot of times they would, we would ask them, what do you use? in your menstrual cycle and say, oh, a dirty rag. So we had to come up with some lessons for that. A poor understanding of the female anatomy. They didn't really know why they were bleeding. They didn't know anything about their female parts. They didn't know what was happening to them when they reached puberty and all that. And so, um, so we, would, we formulated some lessons to address those. Malnutrition is what another one that's very common. Um, and so we would do examples of putting together the food groups. I, I had all these cutouts of fruits and vegetables and rice and proteins and all that and um, had them put them in the different groups. And we talked about um, each of the different food groups and why it was important to have all three of them in a daily thing. Um, we also, the story of the lesson was really about... Um, a poor woman who would go to the market and she only had a certain amount of money in her pocket and she saw that potatoes were really cheap. And so she bought potatoes and that's what she gave to her family all the time. Well, we all know that if all you eat is potatoes, you're not going to be very healthy. And so, um, so their children in this story, their children were shorter, they were malnourished, and they just didn't play with the other kids. So the question that we would ask what the problem is, Everybody knew. Bad food. So we walked through um, how to do better food. And pregnancy, childbirth-related issues. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I want to do this. Menstrual cycle and pregnancy is what we really dealt with in the female anatomy. Um, yeast infections is another common um, Easily preventable problem. We talked about um, some of those kinds of things, causes and treatments and feminine and yeast infection. And then the fetal development is another thing that very limited um, understanding of what develops in um, early pregnancy. Now, the, um, the primary birth control that is used in India in particular is abortion. Um, all the way up to term, they would abort babies. And so if a person got pregnant and they didn't want to be, they would just go, the doctor would say, just go have an abortion. 
Well, when we had people coming to faith and becoming believers, um, they really had no idea what they were doing. And so I had this little 12-week gestation baby that I would show in the community and um, that it already had a brain, that already had all of the organs formed. They're just still developing. And it already had arms and legs, and it just... I could just see the light bulbs come on in those women's faces, um, understanding what was happening inside their body. And there was shock. There was remorse. There was um, all kinds of emotions just flooding their faces. And um, they were like, oh, what can we do about this? I've done so much wrong. And I was like, well, you didn't know what you were doing. Now you do. So let's change the behavior from today. And we can walk through all those emotions that you're feeling. But, um, but that's why I'm telling you about it today. is so that you will know in the future that God is forming that baby really early in your body. And um, so that was one breakthrough that actually led to people being a lot more open to the gospel message was when I did the, the Sanctity of Life with the 12-week gestation baby. Feminine Hygiene Project is one um, that I really, really enjoy this project because it had all of three different elements in it that were that were really good because um, I had our supporters involved, um, our stateside advocates and everything. The, the women would make the pads, which I have... Examples here, if you want to open it up and discover what's inside. Um, The women actually made the pads from the states. Um, We had a a group of trafficked young women that were learning how um, how to make these outside bags, all the, all the, the outside, the the transportation, the, anyway, the bags that we put them all in was um, made by trafficked women that are learning how to sew, and so we bought them from them. So that was um, a way to help income for impoverished women. So, and then um, the women in the communities, you know, a lot of them, if they could afford it, they would go and buy sanitary pads. But a lot of times there was a lot of money involved in that. And so by having this reusable, these reusable pads, then it was a money-saving um, alternative. And then also there wasn't a whole lot of waste because they're just washing and all of that. And so I don't know how many of you all have been in places where there's a lot of trash floating around. Um, but I really appreciated the fact that there wasn't a whole lot more, and we were helping the environment through that. So in the packets, we would put the pads, we put the covers, um, and then we also provided a wash rag for them and soap and Tide to rewash the um, soap for their own personal bodies and, and the Tide soap bars for washing the, um, the pads themselves. And we walked through how to do that. We had um, four separate lessons that we did in this project. Um, Definitely started with a story of the woman that was just going down the street. She started her period, 
and she was on her way to work so she couldn't go back home and get a clean rag. So she found one that was just somewhere close by and put it in, and guess what happened? She got a yeast infection. And um, so so then we did the yeast infection store education, but also um, the feminine hygiene care. But also when we had these women gathering and um, gave them the – the health lessons, we also provide or talk to them about a Bible story at the same time. When I gather them together and we're talking about all these different health issues, we also moved into a Bible story. The health education stories um, really led, we started with that and then we moved into the Bible stories because we didn't really want them to to be able to go in the community and say, oh, they're just all trying to convert us. And although we did want to tell them the truth, um, we wanted them to own the desire for the education, both physical education as well as spiritual education. And so we moved into um, doing that. And this feminine hygiene education project was really easy to move into that um, because once you start talking about stuff that is, you know, really personal and intimate, like bleeding issues and PMS, what PMS really is and all that kind of stuff, I mean, then that opens it up. I mean, we all feel like we can talk about other things if we're going to talk about that, right? And so we can talk intimately about, um, about stories from the Word of God. So... What do you think might be some stories that we would want to tell to these women? The woman at the well. Woman at the well is a very good one. What else? The woman that touched the hem Uh-huh. The bleeding woman. Uh-huh. That's what's on my hand. The woman that was stoned. Okay. The woman that was not stoned. Yeah. <laughs> They thought she deserved to be stoned, but no. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. Hannah, Hannah is a really good one. Yeah, we um, actually don't have a design, a, a Hannah design for the Hannah story, and for my favorite story, which is the widow's only son. Um, that's especially powerful in a Muslim society um, because the the oldest son takes care of the parents, and especially if the father has died. He is the one that takes care of the widow. And a widow, a woman, can't own property or anything like that in a Muslim society. And so when um, this woman, they understand how destitute she was. And Jesus was just walking by. He was entering a village, and a funeral procession came by, he was walking into the village and he stopped. He knew this woman's plight and he reached down and healed her son and gave him back to her. And so it really speaks to the society that we lived in in Pakistan and it was one that's really, they understand the deep love that Jesus has for women through that story. Um, the adulterous woman is really good, too. Um, we don't have a story for that, so we're going to move to the ones that we do. The peace over illness is found in Mark 5, 
the alabaster jar, we didn't have that mention. That's when she's pouring perfume over Jesus' feet. Um, the water, the women at the well is living water. And then peace transforms is actually the demon-possessed man. Um, so we'll walk through these. This is the story that I have in my hand. So the, uh, the vine that's in the center that has the bloom on the bottom of it, those are um, the 12 years that she was bleeding, that she went to all these doctors and didn't find anything. Um, she was sick. She was just a, a bud. Um, then, oops, sorry. Then she encountered Jesus, and the healed portion, she just blooms into a beautiful flower. And all of this busyness around her is the crowd that um, hemmed them in. So this is um, pretty much our go-to story for our first story that we tell um, in any women's group, not just in in a health education group, but any women's group that we have. Um, The bleeding woman really starts opening up the... um, being able to talk about things, and they can really, um, really relate to that. The um, alabaster jar is the second one, a woman receives peace. So um, we've got the woman down at the bottom that you can't totally see. Um, It's a flower. (laughs) And then all of those tears are in the middle. It's really a pretty design. I really like this design, too. Um, the the jar of perfume, also the the pouring out of it, the drops that are coming out of it can also be the tears. Um, but and then um, then Jesus says at the middle in the top of the the finger. I had a friend of mine. Um, somebody was asking me a few minutes ago if I do the designs, and I'm like, no, I'm not an artist. So I always have somebody else do it for me. And the girl that did it, she got really, when we were on this story, um, she got all carried away and was doing all the designs, and she totally left Jesus out of the story. (laughs) So I was like, you left Jesus out! (laughs) But he is the most important part of the story. (laughs) Um, Living water that brings eternal peace is also a really good story that women, in, um, in especially village women, can really relate to. Um, they go to haul water. And unless, you know, they're, especially if they're in a, um, a remote location. And so hauling water in jars is something that's really common for them. And so they would know. And the women, when they go to pick up the water. If you're not um, if you're not a modest, honorable woman, you don't go when the other women go. And so that's they know that this woman was not an honorable woman because she was there at a different time of day. She was there by herself when Jesus stepped down and started talking to her. Now we wouldn't know those details because that's not our culture in the US. But they understand that, and so it really speaks to the depths of their hearts that Jesus sat there and not only talked to this woman who was considered unclean by the Jewish population, but also that she, by her own 
city um, standards was was considered an outcast as well. And so that really speaks to people that feel like they are dishonored or shamed in their own society. Um, and then the bottom of the design, which is not on there, is um, Jesus. So he's left out of this story. But the living water is right there to the right. Oh, sorry. Let me get to the Yeah. The living water is in the right, and, and the cross is there, but down at the bottom of the hand is where um, Jesus is. Um, and then peace transforms is um, the demon-possessed man. Now, our guy who does orality stories, this is his favorite story. If, if you don't have an opportunity to tell any other story and you only have one chance, this is the one that he says is the go-to story because it's got all the elements in it. It's got the power of God, power over demons. The, um, the demon-possessed man was, you know, he was living in caves, so he was totally outcast. And then and you see Jesus in the middle broke the chains. Well, then he wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus said, no, go and tell your family what's happened to you. And he went and he told, but he didn't stop with just his family. He told all the ten cities in the region. And so all of those are the ten cities where he went. And everybody in the region heard about Jesus because this man told him. So we've got the power of Christ, the forgiveness received, and then the going and telling. And so um, so it's a really good story, all encapsulating the essential elements of the gospel, um, if all you have is one story to tell. In um, this one particular slum area that I worked in, this little girl on the right was this art student, and she came, and she was really good at designs. Now, if you're in the middle of a culture that that's what they do from when they're little girls is work on henna, and they see this white person that wants to do henna on them, they're not really ready for some white person to draw henna on them. And so <laughs> all of these ladies are like, you're going to do what? Well, she was totally awesome in her designs and everything. And so all the, all the women, when, when she did the first one, then, of course, they were lined up <laughs> for her to do them. Um, but anyway, she, she ended up staying with us for a whole summer and, and just did that repeatedly in different communities throughout the summer. It was really, um, really an awesome time and an opportunity. But because of our being able to tell these Bible stories, these ladies understood grace and mercy. And not everyone came to faith, but almost half of the ones that were in the group had a life change. And so it's a powerful way to reach people for the gospel. Um, and it's a way that we can really, really go de- deep and intimately into utilizing them. Um, there are some resources that you can get. Um, this website, henofstories.org, is a really good one. for. They've got Arabic designs. They've got... Um, uh, well, they've got South Asia designs. I think they've got some Southeast Asia designs. Um, and
and they've got a little bit of a how-to do it as well on this website. Also have some booklets in the back that, if you turn around, you can see this beautiful booklet. Yeah. That has, um, it's the, all the peace stories. So the, the four peace stories that I showed you that we use a lot, um, it's got a lot more than that. Can't remember exactly. Can you look on the last page and see what number it says? Because my brain is not working right now. Twenty-seven. 27. I knew it was more than twenty. <laughs> Twenty-seven different stories, and it starts with Genesis. It starts with the creation story, and then the fall. It's got some um, up to about nine, I think, are the Old Testament stories, and then it moves into the New Testament stories. So we've got Jesus' birth. The, all of those stories that we had with women, his death, his resurrection, and then um, his coming again. So I, for a lot of the health lessons that I did, I used, uh, utilized this Women's Cycle of Life book that, that the CHE organization puts out. And it's, um, you can find that at that the Global CHE Network, chenetwork.org, um, and download those the Women's Cycle of Life book. There's also a Where Women Has No Doctor that I didn't have written up here um, is where you can get resources for simplified health lessons. And then Preach and Heal by Charles Fielding is a really good book for actually formulating health lessons with stories. But the two main um, henna books would be the hennastories.org and then this booklet. Um, if you want one, you're free to have them. They, I have 100, I think. But if you would give a donation of a couple of dollars, that would be really great because they're not free. I mean, they're not free to put out. So, in summary, um, a lot of what I, I did in South Asia was health education for common women's health issues. Um, this Feminine Hygiene Project was really popular and really well-received by the women in the communities, and we just totally lost it, but that's the last slide, so <laughs> we'll be okay. Um, the Feminine Hygiene Education Project was really good, and, and like I said, I really loved the fact that our supporters were involved with prayer and actual hands-on something that they provided um, the women, it was an income project for them to do the cases. And then um, it was also helpful for environment and for their own pockets to have this. Um, so it's really something that's very easily reproducible. And then the Hena Bible story. So, questions? Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm doing it in the America that we're sitting in right now. And <laughs> um, so it is something. Yeah, um, I don't know that it's actually being utilized at all there. Um, it's not a common thing that they would do, but it could be something that, um, that would be a way to remember the Bible stories and everything. So I, I don't see why not, except for that. They wouldn't recognize it as a, you know, a temporary tattoo kind of thing. Um, so 
just have to work on it and see. But I, I find that the henna stories, when I have it on my hand, um, I'll look down and just meditate on the story. And for me, who's been a, a believer for a long time, um, it still speaks to me every time when I look down and meditate on, on God's word. And, and having it on my hand is a reminder. And that's, you know, God says, put it on your forehead, but I don't want to put a hand on my forehead. But got it on my hand. And so it's really, yeah, I don't see why not, except for that you'd have to do a test market. We tell the story first. Yeah. I find that if we don't tell the story before we start doing the design, that is the, the actual drawing and the design is a little bit distracting. And so we tell the story. We retell the story. Are you familiar with chronological Bible storying? Okay, so we go through that format. We tell the story. We retell it. But I don't. I move into the questions because of a time element. Move into the questions while we're doing the design. But sometimes even that's distracting. So if you have a lot of time, because putting the henna on, especially if you're a beginner, it takes probably a half an hour to do a design. Um, if you're not a beginner, it can take I don't know, ten minutes, five minutes. Yeah. The girl that did this on my hand, she grew up in India. She's American, but she grew up in India. And so she did it within five minutes. So um, it takes practice to get that fast. But um, And so then we walk through what do you learn about God? What do you learn about man? Um, what do you like about the story? What do you not like about the story or not understand? And then very importantly is as a result of hearing this story, what should we do differently? And so it's, it's that part of the story is the what do we need to do differently as, as a result of meeting Jesus. So, yes, sir. Um, not personally. Um, sometimes just even telling the story and her going home and telling the story, even without the henna on her hand, if they know it's from a Christian, she would have that. But in a lot of times, the stories that we tell from the, from the Bible are non-threatening, and so it's, it's not every time. But just sometimes, just even being around Christians gets them in trouble. So they would, they would face some trouble with their family because of that, but... Most times not. So, yes, ma'am. Um, I attend a university that has you know, a lot of different cultures, and a lot of the girls are from henna. Some of them, I mean, most like where it originated from, the henna was telling stories about like, the gods and like the different um, pathways that women take. You know, especially when doing um, for like their weddings and stuff. Like, yeah.
Yeah, we've definitely worked towards making sure that it doesn't have the um, the designs from the other. I mean, there are contemporary. There are just certain traditional elements in henna that we want to make sure that it doesn't have a reference to any of the gods um, or any of their, um, like the yin and the yang or anything like that. So we make sure that it's not that. But keeping some of the traditional elements that don't have any real meaning. So, yeah. Yes, ma'am. So how are you using that in the States? You said you use that in the America where now with South Asians or Central Asians here. Um, we, well, part of my job currently is based at um, a seminary, and a lot of the girls have that global mindset where they're going to be going out. And so... We utilize it to go and share in our community with South Asians, but not just South Asians, with people that we meet that are not believers. And and um, one of the girls is a teacher, and all of our kids are, like, waiting for next week for what story she's going to have on her hand. And so that's a way. This is a secular public school that she's in, an elementary school, but yet. So she doesn't tell it in her classroom. She tells it at recess, and so all of the kids are going home with a Bible story. They're telling their parents, and so that's an evangelistic tool even here in the States. Um, I, When I have it on this part of my hand on the outside, traditionally you put it on the palm of your hand. Um, more people ask me or talk to me about it when it's on the outside of my hand than when it's on this side. Um, even driving over here when I would stop, like at a gas station or something, People go, oh, cool henna on your hand, you know? (laughs) Actually, it's a Bible story. And so I've had opportunities to tell the Bible story to Americans, not just, but a hotel that I stayed at, there was a a girl from India that checked me in and everything. And so I was able to share the gospel with her. didn't get to a decision point, but that was really, truly, I was able to share the word of God because it was on my hand. And that's here in America, yeah. So, um, also, yeah, when I am at the store or any, just people, random people that I meet up with, and, and several of the girls, too, they're able to just tell the story. Sometimes they're not, you know, sometimes I get a, oh, okay, you know, but it's, we get that anyway. We're trying to share the gospel with people, so. But it's still an a innovative, I mean, not an innovative, but a non-threatening way. Yes, ma'am. Um, this is really beautiful. I think it's really cool. But I was just wondering, because in a art is so closely related with Eastern religion, is there any discussion about whether or not this is an incentive for Christians to use, like, their, like their part of their culture and their religion? If it is, I haven't heard. So because it really, most everybody just sees it as a traditional, something that they do for weddings. It's really not um, tied to their religion as much. I mean, it, I guess it can occasionally. but hmm? Indian Indian Christians do it. Yeah, Indian Christians do henna designs. And so... Um, so I haven't I haven't met up with that. So um, yes, sir. Can you run for like the two minutes what it looks like telling the story and using the 
Telling the bleeding woman's story. Okay. There was a woman who had this trouble with bleeding, and she had um, been bleeding for 12 years without stopping. She had gone to many doctors, and she had used up all of her funds and still had no result. One day, Jesus was... Um, walking with his disciples and they were in the middle of this crowd and this woman saw him and she thought, if I just touch him, maybe I'll be healed. But she didn't want to go up to him and bother him, so she just touched the, the end of his garment and immediately she was healed. And, sorry, I wasn't pointing out, but anyway. Twelve years, right here. And then she met with Jesus immediately. He felt the power go out of him, and he turned around, and he said, Who touched me? And the woman immediately knew that she needed to tell him, but at first she was afraid, and she shrank back. But she told him, and he said, Woman, your faith has healed you, and your sins are forgiven. Now go in peace. And so she became this full flower being healed by Jesus. And this is a true story from the Word of God. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I'm left-handed. So that's why it's on my right hand. But the left hand is the unclean hand. But traditionally, people, when they do it on their own hand, they would, you know, they're using their right hand, and so they're putting it on their left. Yeah, <laughs> I just have it on my right, mostly because it's more comfortable for me on my right because it's my non-dominant hand. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, how does this work in the Middle East? I'm not real familiar with that in the Middle East. I know that there are designs there, and I know that they've been working towards it, but I really haven't talked with anybody that's really utilized it extensively in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They are, are on the website. They're Arabic designs. So, um, so there are story sets that they've done, and then there's also just different individual designs. Yes, sir. Um, like you don't want to just buy your dye from anywhere. Kind of thing. Yeah, I would. There, there are. Yeah, with the more intense, long-term dyes, there are some that are a little bit more permanent, where they have some, like, arsenic kind of stuff in there, and so you definitely don't want to utilize that. But the traditional henna that you get from India, um, it's it's pretty much henna, and it's non. I mean, it, it goes into your skin, but it doesn't go beyond your skin, and it's just a stain. So there's not any health issues. And, in fact, they, they've used it for centuries, so, um, so it's, it's okay. But, yeah, some of the, the stuff that you can get here in America, some of it is because it's more long-term, semi-permanent. 
then that could have some ill effects. So I always buy mine. I actually buy it on Amazon, and it comes directly from India. And it comes in a week, and so it's really great. This will last about, well, it lasts about two weeks. This I had put on on Monday, so it's still pretty, it's going to last me at least two weeks. Um, sometimes it will be a little bit longer, two to three. And if your henna is not very fresh, it will go away within two or three days, and so you need to toss that henna and get some new. Well, when you yes, buy ma'am. the henna, does it come with the applicators? It comes in cones, yeah. You can buy it just as loose powder, but that's not real fun, mixing it up and sticking it in it. You can put it in like a little Ziploc bag and cut the end of the tube and make your own, but to me, that's too much work, and so I want to buy the cones. They're already prepared, and all you have to do is cut the little end and then start doing it like an icing thing. Yes, ma'am. should have. You tell it. I did, but my brain is not working right now. There was actually, in one of the slums where I was, we were telling the bleeding woman story, Rebecca was actually with us in India when this happened, and we um, were telling this very story in the group of women that we had that we were doing um, one of the programs that we were doing. And she came up to one of the women afterwards and she said, "Um, I have the same problem. I've been bleeding. I've been to doctors. I have used all my money. And um, nothing has helped. And so that woman said, you know, I'll pray for you in the name of Jesus. And guess what? She was healed. Totally. And so she came in the next day. We, we had these students from um, California Baptist that were working with us. And the next day they also had another follow-up and completely healed, not only physically, but spiritually as well. Thanks for that reminder. <laughs> so uh, a couple more questions or we're, yeah. Still have some minutes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I do. Some of the other girls that are non-medical, they don't incorporate. You know, they don't do the health lessons. But, um, but because my primary focus is doing community health then I always do either women's health or children's health, nutrition programs and stuff like that. And so I do that first and then, um, and then move into the Bible stories. So, Okay, well, 